0: Hi, my name is Dr Jo Braid and I am the Burnout Recovery Doctor. I help healthcare professionals overcome burnout and get their energy back. So, whether you're a med student, allied health professional, or a doctor who is suffering from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. In this podcast you will get your energy back through strategies for burnout recovery this show will give you the practical tips and mindset strategies to help you recover from burnout in healthcare are you ready let's dive in welcome back to the burnout recovery podcast today i'm delighted to invite Dr. Amandeep Hansra as my guest on the podcast today. Amandeep is a GP and works in health innovation and the startup space. I've had the pleasure of meeting Amandeep at the Clinical Entrepreneur Program, the Australian version, which started in October last year. Amandeep, welcome to the podcast today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Very excited to be here.
0: I'd love you to share a bit with my audience as to the wonderful portfolio career that you have created for yourself and what it is that you do sort of most weeks, most days, please?
1: Great question, Joe. I feel like every day is very different and unique for me. Um, I still obviously practice as a GP, um, very part-time now, and a lot of my time is spell- spent in the sort of digital health startup and investment space. So um, a lot of my focus these days is on finding great investments. Um, so that's really helping investors work out where should money capital be allocated in the health innovation space, so what new digital health technologies might we fund, what, you know, biotech might we be looking at, anything that's going to change the way we deliver healthcare. And so my goal is really to find great innovation, help um, nurture entrepreneurs, and this is part of why I'm part of the Australian Clinical Entrepreneurship Programme. So I really love seeing clinicians step out of their every day to day and focus on developing new programs, services, technologies, companies that are going to change the future of healthcare. And so I kind of mix my time around working with founders, with investors, working with government um, and also seeing on the ground, what are the problems that are still facing us um, as healthcare professionals? Um, so, it's a nice mix, Joe. Every day is different. Every week is different. Um, and sometimes I have no idea how the week's going to end, but it's always a great ride.
0: Yeah. 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 Wow. So varied. So fun. So, I, I think you are one of the pioneers in the telehealth space and you were involved in that even before we had the pandemic and all became so used to telehealth. Do you want to share a bit about how that came about and um, and and that sort of pioneering side of health there.
1: Yeah, great, um, great question. So the the whole telehealth journey um, was way before you know anybody really talked or knew what telehealth was. I mean, obviously in Australia we've been doing telehealth forever, although we've never really labelled it as telehealth. Mm. You think back to. RFDS days of using two-way radios to provide care into rural communities. Um, And that was telehealth, but, you know, we didn't really have a definition for it. We just, you know, used whatever was available to communicate and provide healthcare. And so when I got involved over a decade ago, um, it really was seen as a new thing. And all we were really doing was using existing technology, which was the telephone, um, Mm -hmm. to talk to patients. And, it doesn't sound that exciting or new or revolutionary, but at the time it was quite, um, you know, a new way of doing care because we weren't used to managing people over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got involved in that program, I was really excited because I thought, well, there are ways that we could even improve this um, by using, say, video conferencing or being able to do things like prescribing over the phone, which was a complete no-no back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, yeah, all changed during COVID, and suddenly phone was hot, everyone was ringing me, asking my advice on how do you do consultations over the phone or over video? You know, what do we need to be worried about? What technology do we need to use? And it was a really exciting time for me personally, from a career perspective, not that I was happy about the COVID pandemic, but what it did do was it brought a lot of my peers on this journey around the use of technology to Mm -hmm. improve access to care. Um, So something I'd been harping on about for a long time could not get funding for it through Medicare, could not get general kind of health professional support for it, mm. um, yet I could already see the benefits, you know, way before the pandemic. Mm. And now, you know, telehealth is just su- such a, you know, normal part of of delivering care these days. And we've seen a lot of practitioners switch completely to telehealth, some who've managed to find a happy medium between face-to-face care and telehealth, mm. um, but it was a very lonely journey at the beginning and, um, you know, I, I was there before it, you know, became fashionable yeah. and now I'm grateful to see it, you know, in my lifetime become part of the norm. I mean, still we've got a long way to go, mm. but it certainly um, moved much faster than I could have ever imagined, um, you know, had we not had COVID.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. It's that sort of beast of a machine In medicine that can sometimes be slow to move and to change and so forth and I think you're exactly right what has happened in what sounds like the 10 years that you've been involved in it has really accelerated due to the like totally unexpected last few years that we've had and the need to be Mm. providing medical care when people were barely moving around the streets
1: Mm. yeah absolutely
0: yeah, so so that's like a great healthcare innovation that um, has has really come through quite fast. Um, let's like I talk about burnout on this podcast. So I would love to ask you um, if you've ever been close to burnout at any point in your career, and how might that have looked for you, or maybe not if the case was not.
1: Um, I. I think that there will probably be very few healthcare professionals who have not experienced burnout or mm-hmm. been close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would be a pretty unique person to have managed to navigate a whole career in healthcare and have not felt those pressures. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly have had my moments um, and I think I found my way through it by creating this sort of portfolio career that I do have. Um, mm-hmm. I think particularly when you're in those younger years and a lot of great a lot of you know important things in your life all coincide at the same time. So you're trying to build your career, you're trying to do training, you're also working, you also potentially have young kids or a relationship that you're trying to focus on, mm-hmm. buying your first home. There's a whole bunch of things that all coincide in terms of timing. And it's a shame, because if each of those things you know were spread out, you probably manage fine, but I think they all come together, and uh, around that time you know it's 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 high pressure high intensity, and we're in a job and a profession that requires a lot of us emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, you know academically um we w- you know we're expected to do a lot, give a lot, mm-hmm. and then when you add life stresses on top of that, it doesn't take much for. Everything to kind of topple over, yeah um, and I've certainly had moments i think I think I've had multiple moments that I've been burnt out and I've become much better at recognizing them mm-hmm. and also understanding what I need in those moments before I get to the point where I'm not of value anymore to anybody mm-hmm. um, because you know you can end up in a situation where you're like if I just you know grip my teeth and bear with it and I'll get through it (laughs) to the other end. Um, But it doesn't work that way. You actually need to change something. Otherwise, you know, it it does end badly. So, yeah, I've definitely had those moments. I think particularly when my kids were younger Mm -hmm. um, and really struggling with the whole balance of everything and parenting as well. Um, But I've had moments even, you know, more recently where I felt like, uh, you know, especially during the pandemic, Mm where for many people it was like, okay, we had to sit at home and watch Netflix. Um, that was not my version of the of the pandemic, and I'm sure for most healthcare providers that was not either. Mm-hmm. But I remember just um, – being totally, utterly exhausted and feeling spent, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of of the pandemic and thinking I have nothing, you know, left and I need to fill my cup up again. Um, but, you know, I have managed to navigate myself out of all of those situations by finding that healthy balance of the things that I love doing that fill my cup, that give mm-hmm. me energy and yep. allow me to continuously, you know, give give back to this community, this sector that I'm very passionate about.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I I would say you're such an amazing community builder from um, the Aussep community, their clinical entrepreneur program, which has got a huge community of mentors as well as the group in uh, New South Wales, Victoria, and WA, Western Australia. You've also built the creative um, careers in medicine community as well, which is quite sizable now, is it? 16,000?
1: I think we're about 18,500 members now, which is very exciting. Yeah,
0: fantastic. So um, what were some of your thoughts behind why you set up um, CCIM, please, Emily.
1: Oh, you know what? It was a bit of a selfish reason. I mean, I was looking for a community for myself and, you know, didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I was doing some very unique things in healthcare where there weren't a lot of other healthcare professionals next to me doing the same thing and you know usually you can if you're a GP you can find other GPs if you're a specialist you can find other specialist peers that you can share your experiences with and you can you know um, vent to you can um, go through you know things together and I felt like I had the GP community but for the other roles that I had in sort of, you know, more of the corporate sector and things I'd done in technology, there weren't there wasn't really a community that existed. There wasn't a college or a peak body I could go to. Hmm. So really, initially, it was find my friends kind of approach is like, who, who do I want in this group that I would love to hang out and share kind of our experiences together? Um, and I'd managed to start to network um finding these clinicians who had done different things, who'd ended up, you know, running companies or working in technology or, you know, had taken on leadership roles, um, who maybe weren't seeing patients every day. Mm. And they had different kinds of challenges and different difficulties to navigate, and they still needed peer support and Mm. they still needed a community. Um, And initially it was just really bring these group of people together um, but what you find is, you know, if you go looking, you know, you find even more. And um, I went looking and it wasn't just, you know, four people or 40 people. Mm. I think the first event we had f- over 400 yeah, people right. that turned up. And I realized that this community was actually much larger than I could have anticipated. And then we went online and we just grew and grew and people started joining. And people who had very mainstream careers but were coming into, look at the other side and say, what if, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to know there's something else out there if this doesn't pan out or how do I mix, you know, how do I do partly this and partly that? And we started to attract a lot of medical students who already knew when they were studying undergrad that, you know, a full-time clinical career seeing patients was not their whole future. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so as we grew the community continued to grow and um, we continue to offer lots of, you know, services that we, we could, um, whether it was events or training or access to courses, um, giving people an opportunity to meet each other, look at new jobs. And so, yeah, that's really how we've sort of grown and how we continue to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great space. There's often a lot of discussion about um, careers I'd never even thought of or being aware of that we might end up Doing even with a medical school training in the background there. Mm. And I guess with medicine, it can be um, a very sort of blinkered. This is the pathway you jump on, this is the pathway you continue going on. Um, what do you what would you like to share with the potential medical trainee at whatever stage they might be of their career about um, jumping off the Jumping off the tracks to try something different um sort of the benefits of having a portfolio career, how you might get started with trying something different um and and venturing into that idea of a portfolio career um, yeah, maybe even okay. share i don't know I don't know where your first trajectory was that happened for you unless you were already doing things in parallel when you were um a medical trainee.
1: Yeah, look, I, I wasn't, um, and it happened very organically for me. I didn't set out to create a um, a portfolio career, mm. um, but inadvertently I've ended up in one, and I think, um, you know, I've had some interesting insights from doing it because I found that as soon as I was doing other things on other days, the days that I went back into general practice and saw patients, I felt much more excited about it, and I felt yeah. like I had more to give. Um, right. Noticed that my empathy and my kindness, um, you know, capabilities were much higher. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I just felt like I I had the emotional capacity mm. to really empathise with patients what they were going through, and I felt motivated and excited about helping them. Mm-hmm. I think the times where I have done general practice six days a week, which I have done, you know, previously in my history, um, mm-hmm. I do get to that point where you start to feel a little bit desensitised to things and you mm-hmm. think, "Ah, oh, you know, when you're just hearing a lot of this, you know, distress every day of your patients, whether they're in pain or they've got, you know, other symptoms, difficult things going on, um, you do, yeah, there is part of you that builds that kind of wall of, well, I won't let it affect me. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's good to let it all affect you, but yeah. I think you you want to be able to feel a bit of it, um, you know, to be a good empath- empathetic doctor and Mm. um, I found that you know a lot of other doctors that have come to me during the years that I've built CCIM have tried this stepping off that you know um, sort of conveyor belt and saying well what if I did do a day a week doing something else whether it's something non-clinical or working on a business idea I've got or an innovation or doing some research or teaching a day or two a week Mm -hmm. and have found that it really provides that balance so that they don't feel burnt out just seeing patients all the time. Mm -hmm. And the more and more I have interacted with people with portfolio careers, I really have started to think it is possibly one of our solutions for sustainability Mm -hmm. in a medical career. I think gone are the days where we will require people to work full-time patient facing for decades on end and expect you know that they will be happy doing that, that they'll be fulfilled doing that and that they will you know reach their maximum potential mm. um I think as, as human beings we have to recognize that we need that diversity we need that time to step away let ourselves recharge and come back and sometimes you know they say a change is as good as a holiday and yeah. I think having a change on a different day and say well today you're going to work on an innovation idea um and this is how the clinical entrepreneurship program started in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really designed as a as a program to stop attrition of um, medical staff from the NHS. So they thought if we offered them a day or so a week to work on an innovation idea they're less likely to get burnt out and leave. Mm. Um, And it's been a very successful program. If you look at how many companies have been built, how many jobs have been created, how much capital has been attracted to all the companies that have come out of the clinical entrepreneur program, it's been a very successful program. Mm. But I think it has taught us that clinicians are very smart, very motivated, very driven. Um, Many of them have got creative ideas and can come up with solutions And we should really allow them time and space to work on those Mm. alongside also being a really great, you know, patient facing um, clinician. And I think um, the future we're going to see a lot more of that mixing and a lot more of those portfolio careers and allowing people to have more than one stream to their career because I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, definitely. And not trying to squish it into an evening
1: on top of six (laughs) days a week of medicine
0: or like however many on-call weeks and on-call shifts you have to do in that. But just allowing like the daytime brain to apply to be applied yeah, to the project that you're doing absolutely. Um, when you're fresher and it's just that change up i certainly love still maintaining my clinical career in traumatic brain injury rehab medicine as well as coaching as really sort of the mainstay of my career now and yeah. it's such a change compared to how it was before
1: yeah, yeah what a lovely mix you know to to go from one end to the other you know and just um I think it just helps you see the whole, it gives you a whole different perspective as well. And, and I think you, you may think that your two interests or three interests are not related, mm-hmm. but I can guarantee you'll always find things that you can bring from one role into the other. And there's always value that you can bring from doing other things, no matter how disconnected they seem.
0: Yeah. I reckon my relationship with my team, so I work with an allied health team there and and I honestly just think I'm more connected to them as other humans when I have more of this balance of how, how work is. So it's not so much clinical work, but that non-clinical work in there as well. Yeah, yeah it
1: gives you a chance to miss things. You know, I like that I get a chance to miss the four walls of the practice or I get mm-hmm. to miss sitting in front of a patient. And it's it's terrible when you don't miss it because you're just doing so much of it. <laughs> That's yes. a sign. It's like, have a, have a step back and, you know, and sometimes seeing the big picture and realizing, you know, what you are doing and the impact that you're having is really important as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Um, Great. So I guess for, for those people that are, maybe doing 100% medicine at the moment, a a place for them to start or a contact or connections for them to make to sort of um, talk about where they could go or what they could do in addition, I guess could be through your forum on on CCIM if it's good to share that. So that's a
1: f- yeah, mm. absolutely. So, look, CCIM is a great forum where it's not just me talking, but there's a, a lot of <laughs> other people contributing great, yeah. you know, advice, wisdom, knowledge. I think the most important role that it plays is also giving you a community that validates your feelings. So, you don't feel alone, you know, mm. when you're sitting there saying, Why am I the only one that's going to work every day and thinking this isn't for me or mm-hmm. that I couldn't do this every day or, you know, I should. There's this whole sunk cost fallacy where we think we've spent so much effort, time, money, resources in studying this and we should therefore embrace it and love it and enjoy every single moment that we do it and follow that path that everyone else has trodden for us. And it's like it's okay to feel like maybe this isn't what you wanted to do all day, every day, or you have some other idea that you want to work on um, we work for a long time. If you think about, you know, um, life expectancy nowadays and retirement Retirement ages, you you know, I don't expect someone to do the same thing all day, every day for the rest of their life. I Mm. think that would be very boring for them. So it's okay. And I think that community gives you that validation. I think the next step is to try and figure out what do you enjoy? Like, what is the stuff that gives you real pleasure? What's, what's fun for you? And, joe that was you know you realizing that you love working with people and helping them you know with their coaching with the coaching aspect or Mm -hmm. you know like doing this podcast and exploring things with guest speakers and you know you find your loves and your passions and then you think who can i talk to or who can i connect with who's already there who might be Mm -hmm. able to help me who can give me some tips and some pointers and i just challenge everybody to you know to change things up so if every year you go to you know a cardiology conference and you think, you know, that's my my tribe, but you really want to try some other things, maybe mix it up and go to a different type of conference. Maybe mm. you go to, you know, a digital health or an innovation conference, or you go to a biotech conference, or you go to a pharmacy conference. You just try something different, sure. Mix with different people and start to get a perspective outside of, you know, maybe the narrow specialty that you work in. Mm. And it's and I often find it's in those environments that you meet really interesting people. Um, people don't like the word networking, but I say, you know, it's, um, it's just um, opportunity comes from being in the right place at the right time. And if mm-hmm. you're in lots of different places, you get lots of different opportunities. Yes. Um, so the more places you position yourself in, the more likely something's going to come up that just has your name written all over it. Yeah. Um, you know, you bump into someone. And then the next week, they're thinking about an advisory board for something that they're doing. And they're like, oh, I just met this person at this conference last week. They would be perfect. Mm. And before you know it, you know, something happens. And so I just encourage people to get out there, network, meet people, go to events. Um, It was very hard during COVID, but now post-COVID, we can do that. Um, Get onto some of the online forums or groups of the areas that you're interested in. Mm. Um, And, you know, the most important thing is just, you know, use your networks and leverage people because... People are actually very generous with their time, yes. and if you ask them about how they got where they were, where they are, or how might you step out into that area, most people will be happy to to talk to you about their experiences. Um, and so, you know, the worst thing is that they're going to say no. So just reach out, sure. ask for help. Um, but I think that's the first steps, you know, to really start broadening your horizons.
0: Yeah. No, great tips great ideas there I'd also add to that list of consider maybe a retreat I think there are more yes. and more doctors that are running retreats like Dr Emily Amos who I've interviewed yeah. way earlier on on this podcast she runs beautiful retreats for doctors all around Australia and you can be guaranteed to meet doctors from all walks of life Absolutely. with yeah. her very grounding and centering kind of approach of well why am I here and what do I really want with this one yes. special precious life we have yeah and I think, I think another point yeah. I'd love you to um, talk around would be how quitting isn't necessarily the answer. And I hear that coming out from the NHS or the UK version of the Clinical Entrepreneur Program. And it's mm. also something that I um, I en- encourage my clients to consider when coaching that um, – Even if you're in burnout, quitting is not necessarily the answer because you'll maybe bring your same mindset to a different job and go hammer and tongs, type A personality, overachieving Mm -hmm. and that, and then you'll burn out in a different environment. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that concept, please, Amandie? Yeah.
1: Look, I mean, I think part of um, the evolution of CCIM has been that when we first launched I remember speaking to some people in the medical um, field who were, who were like, oh, you're just encouraging a whole bunch of doctors to quit medicine mm-hmm. and that's not what we need, right? We need workforce. And, um, and, and I was actually you know, in complete disagreement about that because I said I'm not actually sitting here encouraging people to leave, Well, what I'm encouraging people is to reframe, you know, who they are and how they use what they have. Mm-hmm. And it may be that you cut back, it may be that, you know, if it's the environment that you're in, you try a different environment. It may be that you, you know, you gain a new skill or you look at, you know trying to um, pursue something that's just slightly adjacent. It may be that, you know, you take a break and then you come back. Mm -hmm. I said, it's not about quitting completely because I actually think that's, you know, almost what we're trying to stop happening. Um, Because when I first started talking to people, we will say, okay, I'm just leaving medicine and I'm going to go open up a florist. And I'll be like, what do you know about flowers? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, well, how about, what is it that you don't like about medicine or what is it that's troubling you or why are you burnt out?" And when you get to the core of it, you find out that it's the particular specialty they're in or Mm. that particular hospital or it's that they just don't like seeing patients or that they get anxiety every time they walk into a room because they don't know what it's going to be about. And there's a whole bunch of things when you unpack it Mm. and you're, you're like, well, let's address those rather than the knee-jerk reaction of walking away from 10 years of a career in something that you've built a lot of expertise and skills around. Yes. And I have now watched, you know, um, surgeons end up at management consulting firms using all their healthcare expertise to solve problems on a system level. I've seen GPs end up, you know, in digital health companies, working as clinical advisors. I've seen, you know, um, specialists end up in, you know, the, the pharma, pharma um the pharmacology space, mm-hmm. you know, working with Big Pharma. And, you know, I've seen a lot of the movement of people around the space and they don't, it's not about quitting, it's about readjusting, you know, where you're meant to be and mm-hmm. where you get joy and pleasure from. And and sometimes it is, you know, as you said, Joe, like taking a break, you know, whether it's a retreat, whether it's a few months off, whether it's, um, you know, doing a sabbatical or going and doing a locum somewhere else. And, mm. And just getting a different perspective, getting away from your everyday-to-day, and saying how can I look at this all differently, and how can I do the work on myself to figure out what is it that's not working for me? Um, and there's lots of solutions. It doesn't have to be just quitting. It's never just binary. I, you know, yes. I'm here or I'm not here. It's yes. like no, there's lots of shades of gray in the middle where we mm. can work through and you know actually help people continue to offer their. G- tremendous skills back into the sector
0: yeah yeah so so great to offer that and suggest that to people who in burnout can be quite black and white in their thinking yeah. as well so let's just peel away some of the layers and just see if there are the the shades of gray underneath there okay the final question i'd love to ask you please Deep. i ask all of my guests is if you're happy to share a part of your self-care routine that you really love or you rarely miss
1: Um, part of my self-care is having to be in nature. Um, so it's really important. And I know when I get to that point, um, you know, obviously try and do it on a weekly basis, but, um, you know, when you live in the city, in the middle of the city can be hard just to escape and get away. But, Mm. um, for me, it's like finding that space and just being, um, you know, with, you know, alone often and being with, you know, the ground and being around nature and greenery Mm. and just, feeling like refreshed about like this is this beautiful earth that we're part of we're so lucky to be here so lucky to be alive and and also reminding yourself how small you are like the you know particular trips to the ocean and I live really near near to the beach which Mm. is great for me Mm. and just looking at the mighty power of the ocean and reminding yourself that you're just this tiny little thing you know and that nature is so much bigger than us and Mm. we you know we just we've got to go about our lives just remembering the perspective that you know, your problems may seem big, but actually we're all just little things floating around on this earth yeah. and it's never that big. So I, I like that it grounds me and I can always tell that I'm heading for burnout if I haven't been in nature and haven't stocked up on all of my, um, you know, exposure out into, yeah. into the beautiful world that we live in. So that's really something I can't do without
0: Sure, sure. Love it. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Well, Amandeep, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the podcast today. Yeah, we'll be adding um, links to the show notes of where people can find you and also links to creative careers in medicine if people are curious about finding that there. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the listeners for the listeners today, please?
1: No, they just absolutely love the work that you do, Joe. And I think, you know, you're just such a you know beautiful soul trying to help so many people I've thoroughly enjoyed you being on the clinical entrepreneurship program as well as I got to hang out with you. And I love how much you're trying to help your peers and, you know, really applaud that you stepped out, you know, been brave and built something amazing.
0: Amadeep, thank you so much. That's really kind words. It's great to work with you and the whole team with the clinical entrepreneurs. Thanks again for being on the podcast today. See you then. Thanks so much thank you for tuning in to the burnout recovery podcast if you liked what you heard please hit subscribe and head on over to my website at drjoebraid.com. there you can download my free guide with 10 tips to take if you're nearing burnout see you next time